A little while back, Ryan and I were featured on the uh, Gritty Bowman podcast with Brian Call. The feedback that we got from that podcast we did was amazing. I was just so um, taken aback by all of the people that reached out to us and either asked for support or gave support and encouragement and and thank yous. And so Ryan and I thank all of you for... uh, So a big part of that podcast as well as a podcast that we did back, gosh, it was a new year. So back in January, it was episode seven, where we talked just a little bit about our personal history and um, gut health. And it's also where we introduced the gut restoration program. The gut restoration program is something that we um, took from Dr. Jillian Tita, who was in episode four, where we talked about digestive health with her. And we took it and we made it into a manual that we put on our website that you can download for free. And you can use as a 28-day program to improve your gut health. But really, the digestive system dictates to all the other systems in your body how well they're going to work. And it's really important. Here, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to go to our website. Um, you can find it in a few places. If you go to huntharvesthealth.com slash gut restoration 2017, take you right to it. You can get your guide. You can also see the supplements that we recommend with it. If you wanted to get those, you can. Um, but I get a big question, do I need to take the supplements? You know, you the supplements help and that's why they're called supplements, but really it's about changing your diet and changing your daily habits that um, are the foundation of this. So, you know, think about starting there for sure. And if you can afford it and if you want more help, you know, getting the supplements is only going to boost that 28 day program for you. Um, You can also find it if you go to huntharvesthealth.com slash programs. As always, We feel so fortunate to have you listening, to have you following, to have you sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Make sure to go get your gut restoration program and thank you for listening. You can always email us at lampers at stealthyhenner.com. If you have any questions or need assistance with anything, we're here for you. So uh, thanks for listening and enjoy this podcast today. part about doing a podcast is you get to talk to so many interesting people. And our guest today is proof of that. Uh, We sit down with Tim Burnett of Solo Hunter in his home, in his studio, and we just get to pick his brain about who he is, where he comes from, and where he's going with the Solo Hunter brand. we're finding that no matter what industry somebody's in or what their hobbies are or what their challenges are, is that sitting down and just getting more personal with people really is bringing together our initial thought of what we wanted to do. We wanted to bring in experts in the field, experts who have um, know what they're talking about, experts who have so much to share with you, but at the same time, just getting a little bit more personal with them, having us tell, tell us about who is the person behind the camera, who is the person who, you know, isn't on Instagram, uh, isn't on Facebook, and that's really what has charged us up in doing this podcast, and Today, 
when you listen to Tim Burnett talk, this is this is exactly what I'm talking about here. So, you know, Tim shared with us that he really doesn't do a lot of podcasts and that he has shared more with us about his personal life than he has with anybody. Make sure that this week, this is the last week of June, 2017, season eight of Solo Hunter is debuting this week on the Outdoor Channel. It'll be on YouTube and Tim's other platforms later, but currently um, you can go to the Outdoor Channel and you can watch Season 8 of Solo Hunter. And I think the very first episode is Remy Warren, um, who does Solo Hunter with Tim Burnett. He is um, hunting in Hawaii. So make sure to go to solohunter.com, S-O-L-O-H-N-T-R, Com. Um, I mess up on that a lot when I go to punch it in. And you can also find Tim. I think he's most active on Instagram at Solo Hunter. And then, of course, YouTube, his Solo Hunter channel on YouTube. Um, all right. Well, enjoy this podcast today. We thank you for being here. And here's Mr. Tim Burnett with Solo Hunter. Okay, folks. Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. Um, so today we are extremely fortunate to be actually hanging out with uh with a guy i've gotten to know a little bit mr tim burnett um boy i I think everybody kind of knows who tim burnett is these days the solo hunter um you know we uh we happen to be down here in nevada and he was gracious enough to uh, allow us to come by his place and and uh and talk with him and and check out his his antlers and a little bit of this a little bit of that and uh so tim how are you doing today good how are you doing really good really good good. yeah me and my wife are down here and we're we're taking advantage of being in nevada and um we always love it when we can come down and um this just happens to be we're down here for an event we're down here for train to hunt um so uh we're really looking forward to that we actually uh have to uh get there and, and do that yeah. get after it in the morning so and that's where i met you for the first time yeah. last year was at the event we had a, a little pre-party last year at cabela's and um and had a chance to kind of uh, track you down and, and we talked there in the back of the room and um talked a little bit of hunting so yeah was i was a cool. fan of yours before i knew that you were a fan of mine oh I yeah think, <laughs> because of instagram or yeah, something else yeah. I was like, it's funny oh, how that works that guy, you know? <laughs> there's that guy yeah sitting in the back of the room by himself well you kind of grab to those guys that's uh, or people that um that appear to have the same interests you know or the same types of style and, and that kind of thing and yeah i think i think we're a little similar in a way i don't i call myself an introvert i guess i'm i'm just kind of uh i like to be in the back i like to kind of observe everything um i don't want to be front and center i don't want to be the guy talking mm-hmm. and here i am doing a podcast but right um, yeah you're putting yourself out there in front of a lot of people we yeah, actually did a public speaking nudging. event we did our we did a public speaking event a couple of weeks ago together yeah. at a fly fishing uh resort the rendezvous place. yeah and ryan always told me i will do anything except public speak i will never public speak it will not happen and i said all right and then he ended up doing a talk on mule deer hunting at sport co in, in uh, tacoma and then they asked us if we wanted to come talk about hunt harvest health and here we are up there together doing a talk about our life and it was crazy because i don't mind it it's fine you know uh and just yeah, to have I'm him not. doing it, and he's so good at it. No, it's so I, right? natural. I'm not comfortable doing it. I said, what are it? you afraid of? I don't even know what you're talking about. It was just so natural. So don't let him fool you. Look, the only thing that saves me um, at any kind of, I don't know, I guess public speaking uh, event is 
is the stuff that we're talking about. It's hunting. So I can talk about hunting and be comfortable with it and uh, kind of be in my element. But if it was anything else, Mm. I'm thinking back to when I was in high school, trying to actually like get up there for a report or doing something like that. I would rather take an F. (laughs) I was one of those guys. I sat at the back. I'd rather take an F and just not do it. I was so scared of uh, actually sitting in front of folks and talking. But my wife, on the other hand, she is not that way. She's probably one of those that sat right at the front of the class and <laughs> wanted to get up in front of everybody and, and be a public speaker. Well, I've kind of chilled out. I think we flipped rules a little bit. I I don't really like pictures anymore. I think it's just as I'm getting older and he's more in the limelight, mm-hmm. whatever that limelight is. And I really like it because I'm like, hey, I'll sit back. I'll do the editing. I'll do the stuff in the background, right? And uh, he's he's getting some of that attention, which he deserves. So. Yeah. Well, no, I I just I enjoy what we're doing really. Um, to be honest, I a year ago I never thought we'd be traveling around and hooking up with great guys like Tim and, and being able to talk with them and, and kind of get a little bit of information out there. Um, surprising every time you know we get folks talking about the podcast and we go to these places and and they're always coming up to us saying, "Oh, we love this, we love that." And it's it's just a shocker every time we do it um, that, that folks come up and whether it's, Oh man, I, you know, I tried some of the food that you made and it was awesome. Or, um, I'm putting in my first garden or this and that. So it's kind of cool seeing folks, um, you know, try new things. Uh, you know, what, obviously what we're doing is kind of trying to get folks a little healthier, mm-hmm. um, nutrition wise. And, and which is honestly stuff. why they picked me to come here. Cause they're like, you know, that Tim guy, he <laughs> probably use a little bit of our help. So maybe <laughs> we're in town. We might have to knock on this guy's door oh, and see no. if we can't rattle the cage. No, no. Yes. Mean, we're here to give you nutritional <laughs> advice. Yeah. And, right. uh, yeah. yeah. We're going to tear your yard up back there. We're going to get your garden going. Yeah. And, we've, no, we've we figured out a that. little spot of uh, land in his backyard. <laughs> oh, the res- every year it's the same story. I'm like, oh, I'm planting the garden this year. Cause that's, that's the way I grew up. It's like, this is going to happen, but, uh, yeah. man, stuff just gets busy and, and baseball is a little bit more fun than, than gardening, I think. So. And from what I know of you, you're a super busy guy. I mean, every time I hear you, you, you've got so many projects going on and you're, you know, editing all your shows and you got so many things and, and I'm on, I'll be honest with anybody. If it, to grow a garden, it takes a ton of time. I mean, it's a, it's a time investment, big time. Um, there's no easy way to do it and try to skimp on, you know, if you don't have the time, you're not going to grow a good garden and then trying to process everything. It just doesn't work. So, but yeah, I know you keep yourself pretty busy and yeah, it's, it's crazy. I sh- I probably shouldn't be, you know, I should, my wife keeps telling me all the time. She's like, you need to hire that out or you need to quit micromanaging this aspect of it. And I'm just like, man, I just love every, every little piece of it. Yeah. And I'm probably a control freak because anything that you put your heart and soul and money and, and it's your, your whole life, you know, it's not real easy to just let up the reins and have somebody else take a hold of it. For sure. Well, I mean, whatever you're doing is working because you've got, you know, I think, um, there's so many guys that, that follow you and really have taken to what you've done, which you kind of started the self-filming craze. Uh, seems like everybody I see out there is, is, uh, is wanting to do it. And I think they've seen your show and, um, how you've done it. It's just such a cool way of going about it. And it's one of the most challenging ways to go about it, to actually go out there, um, try to get an animal on tape and, uh, you know, hunting is hard enough, right? Just getting out there and, and putting an animal down is hard, whether it's with a rifle or a bow. But then to self-film it, um, whole new element. Yeah, well, uh, you know, um, 
the hunting side of it, you know, I mean, just hunting the way that we hunt, you, you're the same way. You know, everything's everything's public land. If you draw one of these limited entry tags, that's just kind of a bonus. But right. like we were talking earlier, you know, that just might not happen for either one of us this year. So what do you do? You become an over-the-counter bandit. And I think for as far as solo hunter goes, I think it has a lot less to do with myself or Remy than it does has to do with the type of um, hunting that we're doing. You know, and the way that we're going about it, you know, we're not going about it as, at least in my opinion of, of stroking our ego or, 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 you know, just chest thumping. It's, it's, this is the way we're going to be living our lives and hunting, regardless of if we're dragging a camera around or not, you know, regardless of if we do it for a living or not, this is how we hunt. This is how we live. And I think that's what resonates with a broader audience is I, you know, I kind of like to to keep myself grounded, I tell my wife, I'm like, they're following Solo Hunter. They're not following me. You know, they're following the adventures that we go on and <clears throat> and how we show those adventures. They're not following me, you know. Um, because I have in my in my in the past, I've kind of let it get to my head where I'm like, oh, I'm this, you know, I've created a TV show and blah blah blah. I'm really cool and stuff happens and you kind of reality sets in. You realize I'm nothing, you know, and and without people consuming our content or consuming our products or, um, you know, interacting on social media, we don't have the footprint that we have or in the business and the lifestyle, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. I I think the way you've gone about it, like you said, um, you know, you're hunting public land and and you're going out there and, and you're not, you know, hunting ranches or whatever. Um, I think that does draw on a lot of people, you know, it just kind of your, average everyday hunter that's going out there every year willing to put in the time on these public land pieces and um they're seeing you do it and it's just uh you know what you've put into it like you said your heart and soul um it really has resonated through the show and guys just kind of man they're just drawn to it and uh and how you guys have done that both you and remy so yeah i think i'd you know honestly i think i'd be a fan of it if it was you or anybody else i'd be just as big a fan of the style of it you know i just like the filming aspect of it and just the independence and individuality that that it brings so So what the heck got you to start that first time going out there because you're kind of the first guy to do it, go out and, and um, film this. I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of whole, it's, it's no, not that you know, many folks. You know, I've been a fan of, of outdoor television and outdoor video since I was a kid. And there's, there was people doing it for sure. I mean, I'm definitely yeah. not the pioneer of, of self filming a hunt by any stretch of the imagination. Um, in fact, when I brought solo hunter to the networks and that when networks were like, well, it, what a coincidence, somebody else brought us the same concept under a different name. And, uh, you know, it just turns out that I did it a little bit better, fortunately for me. Um, but there's been guys that I followed before that were self-filming, um, or, or at least self-hunting, you know, do-it-yourself solo hunts. Cameron Haynes is one of them. He used to do a lot of that. Um, Tom Miranda, who was a guy that I looked up to early on in my career. I mean, that dude was going on hunts, adventure hunts and filming it himself, putting them together, he just didn't really make it publicly known at first that he was filming himself because that wasn't the cool thing to do, you know? Um, so there's people that definitely pioneered it. I think Solo Hunter just came along at the right time. You know, had it been a, even a year or two prior before HD or before handy cams were affordable or before any editing software would like Final Cut was just, just hitting the market. It was like people didn't have the tools at their access to be able to do it. And so, I mean, it was just the grace of God. The, t- the thing ha- things happened when they did, it was like the right. perfect timing. I had just come out of a bad, you know, partnership and, and, um, 
still wanted to be a part of the outdoor industry. And so it just was a natural, a natural thing. And, you know, I'm a pretty, pretty, um, independent, but non-social kind of guy, you know, to begin with. And so it was just a natural fit to be like, you know what, screw it. I don't need a cameraman. Mm -hmm. I don't need a producer. I'm just gonna go out and film my hunts and adventures and share it and see what happens. And where, where did you get the education to figure that out? Was that all self-taught? I am the most uneducated man that you'll probably ever sit across the table from. (laughs) (laughs) I'm lucky to have graduated high school. Uh, Come on. uh, No. Um, it's just the editing and stuff self-taught. You know, I, I kind of absorb a lot of things. I, I used to read a lot early on, but I find that I don't like to read anymore. You know, I mean, some people tout about how that's the cool thing is to read all these books and self-help books and all that stuff. And I'm like, hell, I could write those self-help books. Come on, man. You know? <laughs> but no, it's like, I just don't, I'm not interested in those things. I'm interested in doing things. And that's the same way it was with editing was I just bought the computer and the, the software and Well, I I went to a lot of school and have a lot of education and I've taught myself all like the editing for the podcast. And I know there's people out there. I'll be like, you're, you need to fix things, but you know how hard it is to learn these, right? When someone, when someone leaves a comment, like, oh, your podcast is awesome, but your audio sucks. It's like, that's awesome for me because that's constructive criticism. I need to know that. So, you know, I need to get final cut. I need to do these things, but Nobody realizes how hard it is to actually to create a final product that is caliber with, you know, people are used to things like yours. They're used to these highly produced caliber things sometimes. And so it you learn when you're editing it, like how much work it is. And then when you actually do it, like you said earlier, you're kind of a control freak. When you learn how to do it and you get it right, it's like so cool. It's pretty rewarding. Like for me, mm-hmm. I really find that rewarding to have that final product and um, something that I kind of learned. So I had to learn that. I didn't sit in a class. And nobody like showed me exactly how to do it. I kind of learned it myself. And that's how I am. I kind of like that critical thinking, figuring it out, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think I would be as, um, I don't think I would be as proud of the project or as uh, I was just I had the word in my head a little bit earlier, but I don't think I would be, it wouldn't mean as much to me if someone else was doing it and I was just pulling the strings, you know, mm-hmm. or pointing the fingers or just managing the project. I, I feel like it means a lot more that I am immersed into solo hunter, both the, the hunts, the production side and the brand I'm immersed into it a hundred percent. And I think it just makes me feel more accomplished that way than it would. Um, otherwise uh, it would probably be a lot smarter for me to take some of these investors that, that are knocking on the door and, and really grow and explode the brand and try to take it out, you know, to farther reaches and bring on the right people. But that wouldn't make it fun for me. You know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't make it enjoyable. I would rather, I would rather keep it how I'm doing it and maintain my sanity and lose a little bit of sleep than to do it otherwise. You know, I, I don't know why maybe that it's kind of, I don't, I don't see it as you're holding yourself back, you know, but others have, I've had conversations with people who are like, man, you've got so much more potential here with this brand and with what you've got going. And I'm like, that's not what it is for me. You know, my family's fed Mm -hmm. truck still runs mostly, you know, I mean, everything's good. So, right. Right there. I think that's kind of the key of that content, you know, where are you content and where are you feel like you're producing a product that 
is making you happy mm-hmm. and others happy and they're getting what they need and you're not overextending yourself because there's the other option, right? You overextend, you get all these investors, you you basically now are beholden to other people and that's where it becomes then like a job where you have to produce you have to get the animal you have to make sure you do this Uh, um and now it's just kind of like your timeline you're you're you know you're putting yourself under the pressure but uh that i think there's something to be said for knowing our limits and where we're happiest and not just where we're most successful but where we're happiest yeah i mean there's so much to be said about freedom and flexibility you know i mean income is one thing and that'll come if you do if you do a good job with what you're doing that'll come i make a a great living but to me it's more about i'm owned by no one you know i mean i have to do some things for some sponsors and this and that but just the freedom of knowing i mean that's what what's what in entrepreneurs and what uh, self-employed people look for right they look yeah. to work for themselves and they want to have that flexibility and freedom and once you once you break that threshold and start bringing on whether it's employees investors partners or you know vendors whatever it might be you're no longer working for yourself you're for somebody else right and, yeah you know, that and at that point you're trading time for money you know sure sure yeah Speaking of that, I kind of have a question because I noticed you have a lot of products now. So mm-hmm. you started out mainly doing the TV show and then you've branched into YouTube and now you're actually selling physical products. How has that changed your business? Yeah, so the products actually started before the TV show. Oh, did they? Uh, actually, yeah. The rifle cover, um, mm-hmm. well, even before the rifle cover, when I was partnered up with some other guys in the Midwest, um, we had developed and, and engineered and invented a, a deer call that we then sold the marketing rights to hunters specialties and they still sell that call today, you know, and all the retailers. And that kind of sparked my interest into the product side of it. And then I started looking back at family history and everything. And I've got uncles and that were inventors and, mm-hmm. and developers and that kind of thing. And then I, um, actually went to and bought one of those Primos bow slings that they had just made, just came out with. And I was like, this thing's legit, man. Right, right. I want one for my rifle. So I went looking to all the, the retail stores, looked online. I could not find one for my rifle. And that's when I was like, dang, I'm just going to make one. And so it's actually sitting right there on my on my shelf there. Yeah. I went to a fabric store, bought some fabric, borrowed um, my mother-in-law's sewing machine, went to town, sewed, sewed a rifle cover. And I love I, it. It's on my rifle. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I've and got that, that same one. And then I took the rifle cover to the same company that we sold the, to Hunter Specialties to see if they would be interested. They said no. I took it to Primos. They said no. I took it to, I can't remember who else, and they said no. And I was like, well, I, I want to do it. I think it's a product that would sell. So I found a manufacturer who took it, and we brought in a 1,000 units. And mm-hmm. uh, at that time, I mean, that's a lot of money, you know, for yeah. me. I just a regular working schlub. And so it, it was a pretty, pretty significant risk, but brought them in and it took me, it took me two years to sell that first thousand, but those actually came out before solo hunter came out. So then when solo hunter hit the air, I mean, it was, it was eye opening to me. I was like, Oh, TV advertising works, man. Yeah, okay. yeah, we moved through products. those just like yeah. lightning. And from ever, from then on, We've added, you know, more SKUs of the rifle cover with the new mountain light version and different colors. And we've just now revamped the design to we'll have a new stealth version and, um, you know, made some changes to it. So it's grown, but then it's also enabled me to give me the financing to launch into some of the other projects, you know, some of the other products, some of which are proprietary. And then some like the Bino harness, we just licensed from another manufacturer that, uh, you know, the solo hunter brand and name 
does well for that product. Right. So what are some of the other products? So, yeah, you're in my office here, so you probably see some I, of the relevant. Uh, I see stuff. Things. Yeah, I don't I see stuff all over in here. So but. the things that I, I mean, some of them are by, um, by desire, like they're products that I, I really wanted to do. I want to develop, you know, and so we're working with some companies to develop a pack. You know, we're working with Kafaru to design right. that. We, I also have another company that makes packs that we're going to do a day pack. That's not Kafaru. You know, so it's, there's, that's one thing I want to do, whether I sell 10 packs a year or 10,000 packs a year, I don't care. You know, to me, it's, it's a passion. Mm-hmm. It's something I want to do. And so associating with, with someone like Kafaru and we even, we talked to XO about it and it just, everything just worked out, um, with my current sponsorships and stuff with Kafaru that that's just the direction we did, we chose to take. Um, I lost my knife sponsor. They weren't happy with the amount of exposure I was giving them because I didn't kill anything two years ago, you know? And so that goes to air and it's like, you don't have always an opportunity to use a knife and they weren't happy with the marketing that I was doing. So they cut me. So I'm bringing in some, some limited edition solo hunter knives, you know, mm-hmm. not to start a brand, but to expand on the brand. You know, if I can bring in products with my solo hunter brand and logo, that's what I'm going to do. And if that replaces a sponsor income, that's great. Now I work for myself again and not for that sponsor. Right. So some of these products like that are not necessarily to be known as making the, the most badass knives in the industry or the most, the best backpacks in the industry. It's more a matter of I'm infatuated with my brand. Um, we've got a, an audience. We've got a customer base. Um, we're going to try to make a few things that the people will be happy with, you know, mm-hmm. and grow something of value that I can have when I break my leg or that I can have when I am, am later in life and mm-hmm. the TV stuff goes away. You know, so many of these other TV shows, what do you got? You got a TV show. You're, you're the big thing while you're on TV. Once you're off TV, what have you got? Hope, right. Hopefully you've got your day job or you've got something to fall back on. Now, how many years have you, has your TV show been airing? Is it, it's been a while. Seven? I've been yeah. watching it forever. So, so it went on air in 2010, September of 2010. Okay. Um, Six, seven years. There. Yeah. So yeah. season eight will start airing this July. So, you know, you evolve for me personally, it was, I just, I didn't want to be just a TV show. You know, I wanted to be something, not, not me personally, but I wanted to have something of more value. So if the TV show went away and the networks just said, you know what, solo hunters not cutting the bait and we, we just aren't interested anymore. Um, I've worked really, really hard to create, um, a group, a society, you know, a solo nation to where that can continue on and I can keep doing what I'm doing and, and, uh, you know, not, not skip a beat. In fact, it's grown. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, where, if there was no solo hunter, there's no TV show. What do you think you would be doing? I'd be, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I know, I know what I think my backup plan would have been, you know, I mean, I wanted to be in the construction industry and I wanted to, we, we built a home just a couple of miles from here when we first moved to Reno and, and, uh, did it all. My buddies came and helped me frame it. We had a lot of sweat equity into it and, and did really, really well on that home. So I, I feel like I would probably be doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in the flooring industry, you know, that's still a passion of mine. I like, I like the, de- the decorating and the tile and, and that kind of stuff and, and had a pretty decent career of that before solo hunter started. Um, all as an uned- uneducated person, you know, one semester of college under my belt and that's about it. But, uh, I just don't see, I don't know. 
I hope I never have to do anything else. Yeah, honestly. yeah. Well, I hope it sticks around. I think it's great. And I think you're the kind of guy that uh, probably no matter what you do, like you said, with your show, you put your heart and soul into it, you're going to be successful. So, Well, there's also a lot to be said about kind of your business model and understanding branding, understanding marketing. Um, and it seems to me, and I don't hunt, but having lived with a hunter for so long, there seems to be this new upcoming um, – hunting i don't know what you would call like young these this younger generation of hunters that are they are looking for more maybe it's the social media culture that we live in or whatnot but there there is this sense of people that they're they've grown up on marketing and they've grown up on this branding and Mm -hmm. and so there's a market out there uh of people that are also looking to go more into what you're doing right not just like truck hunting or right. uh, like you know and uh, that's what's great about solo hunters it you know it it, it kind of shows you know what everybody wants to do you can get out there you don't have to be a truck hunter you can get out there um just one guy even if your buddies don't hunt get out there and and, and all the public land that we have access to and and do what you do you know, maybe they're not self-filming, but they're getting out there and they're getting after it. And they're not going necessarily for the biggest critters on the, on the mountain or in the unit. But, um, but I, I think by watching your show, you know, it just seems like, and you're not always successful on every show that you put out there. No, that's, that's I think that's those the, shows are still again, really that's good. The branding, like you're good at that. Like, again, what your limits are and showing people like, this is reality, right? Right. Yeah. You can, yeah, I, I, you know, I have a hard time looking at it as, is like, I, people will ask me, well, what camera gear, what, what's your business about? I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm just doing it. I don't, yeah. I don't look at myself as a consummate professional that, um, knows and understands branding. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a branding guy that helps me now. I've done it all until October 1st. I did it all myself. Well, in October, I brought on a, somebody to help me with the branding. Um, Joel Pilcher does a phenomenal job, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really opened my eyes to some of the branding, but I have a hard time looking at it and say, here's my advice, you know, or this is, this is how you should do this or how this, I more look at it as like, man, I'm doing so much wrong. It's not even funny. You know, mm-hmm. I should be doing this or I should be doing that or what, what, what can I do? And, and I look at other people's, you know, branding and that like, like your guys's logo for your podcast, most things like, that's brilliant. You know, who came up with that? How does it, you know, and maybe it was an accident. It was like our idea, but yeah, you don't, you, you have in your head, you know what you think you want and then it shows and appears. But when you have that idea and it does appear in physical form, it's so cool. Cause Mm -hmm. you go, Oh my gosh, I could have never done that myself even, you know, and, and that brings that brand to life. And we just got really fortunate, uh, in that, you know, but like you've done a metamorphosis, right? Oh, in the man, last year, I can't like your tell branding you how has many changed. Like I've how had. many logos? Right. Because to me, the logo was never of any value. It was like the logo is something there to say what the show is, you know, right. basically. And and we've gone. I mean, I'm the worst at that. I'll change logos two or three different times in a year because to me, there was no value in it. Well, that's where you know Joel came along and with this new new brand, I wanted something that was that didn't scream redneck or that didn't scream. I shouldn't say redneck because I'm a pretty big damn redneck but <laughs> something that didn't scream i'm a hunter you know sure. or i'm just into killing stuff yeah. we wanted something that was edgy and that was more lifestyle branded and that could could evolve into something beyond similar to what you're at with with the hunt harvest health you know your timing with that is is phenomenal because there is such a massive um 
crossover of CrossFit and of healthy eating and of, of fitness and all that kind of thing. And what, what I'm seeing, you know, with my neighbors or with other people is, is these people that are into CrossFit and health and all that, they're now getting into hunting side of it because of the, the organic meat part mm-hmm. of it, you know, right. not necessarily what we might've got into hunting for because it was a thrill and it was our lifestyles, what we grew up for. And we wanted to kill a big buck. Theirs is more like, Oh, we just want to go get some meat. You know, we're going to put in for these doe tags or cow elk tags or whatever. Yeah. It's surprising. Um, you know, like we've talked about this before, but my wife's crowd, like the, the folks that she went to school with, the people that she hangs out with, you know, in it's a crowd health industry. Yeah. In the health industry. And my wife's a dietitian as well. So yeah. she's with all these Pretty, Non-hunters, pretty right? They have pretty no people, yeah. idea what goes on in the hunting world and right. have no desire to know. Um, but since we've been doing this and, um, you know, we've had random folks over to our house and they love the meat aspect of it. But since we've been doing this, they've been kind of getting bits and pieces of, of really what it is and really what it is that we do out there. And they figured out that we're not a bunch of redneck hillbillies just mm-hmm. out shooting stuff. You know, if it's brown, it's down. We're not all like that. And uh, I think they're gaining maybe a little bit more understanding, which is leading to a little bit of respect in a way. Um, you know, and the, obviously the food aspect of it, the meat aspect of it is huge in their eyes. But I think they're starting to kind of realize the other reasons why we go out there and we hunt and why we do it and why we love it. Not just for the food, but that's a big part of it. But like I said earlier, kind of like your brand, right? Like if it's it's morphed and it's changed, and you've you've now chosen like a logo that's going to last more a test of time and can cross over right. into other things besides hunting. And for me, I'm I was like I'm not a hunter, I but I have this crowd of people that I'll go to these seminars and I'll listen to people talk about probably like your wife, like paleo diet and um colon issues and ketogenesis and and like digestive disorders and cardiovascular disease and like there's all these things and everyone's talking about okay now you need to eat grass-fed meat um you if you can get wild game that would be great you know they talk about this and then that's about it that's all you hear about it i said we got this huge crowd of people in my arena that we could bring into this and that's kind of where our brand morphed because Ryan really just hunting and gardening was his thing. And, but I see it like really coming together. And I guess that's where I was getting that, that new generation of people coming up with this and you can't just have like, I I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think that's what's happened is like years ago, like in the television industry, the whole talk was, is how can we make out hunting television mainstream? You know, how can we produce our content where it's more mainstream? Which which TV show is going to go mainstream? And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, Duck Commander goes to Duck Dynasty and it's mainstream. And everybody's like, see, we're doing it. We're getting into mainstream, la-da-da. And then you see other shows come out trying to, to get into mainstream that failed miserably, whether it's Chasing Tales or whatever it might have been. And that everybody was trying so hard to force feed hunting or bring hunting to the mainstream. Well, all it takes is a little bit of time and the cream rises to the top. Well, now mainstream's coming to the hunting world. Right, right. You know, they're realizing, like you're talking about, the benefits of of the meat aspect of it. And eventually it's going to be more the benefits of the lifestyle aspect of it. And it's all going to come together if we continue to represent it in a good light. You know, I mean, that's that's the unfortunate thing is 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 you'll have a lot of the younger crowd so ambitious and so excited about it to come in that they just don't, they're not quite sure of what the boundaries might be. You know I mean? You don't want to show the full thing 
right out of the get go. Cause for me, I've been, I've been a hunter my whole life and some of it's offensive to me. You know, I, I don't, you just don't need to see those things. So we've still got to do a good job to present the hunting lifestyle to those coming in. But it's, I feel like, you know, as much as I curse social media and hate social media and all that, it's done so many good things for my brand and my business. But also you look at what it's doing for the hunting industry. I mean, you're going to take the negative with the good, no matter what you do. But there are so many more people exposed to the proper hunting lifestyle than ever before, you know, because hunting television wasn't it. That's not, that's not what the reality of hunting a lifestyle is. It's a glamour for a glorification of killing animals, basically. And so hunting television is even changing, you know, with, with Ranella and myself and Shockey and some of these others that have done such a good job bringing it into, you know, the lifestyle aspect of it. And then you have the handful of others like Matzinger and these others that are bringing the cinematic aspect into it, you know? So everyone, everyone that is not at the top, but everyone that is, is in the visual aspect of it is doing a good job of representing hunting in a lot of different ways. Right. And it's, I think that it's just growing exponentially. I mean, yeah. And, and I think the guys that are kind of highlighted right now, like yourself, uh, Ranella, they've got a way of talking to folks, um, that doesn't portray us, it portray us in a bad light. You know, there's definitely a way to talk to people who either don't hunt, maybe they're just not familiar with it. They're, they don't understand it or they're just anti hunters. There's a way to talk to those people. Um, which, you know, is coming out through social media. I think even Brian Call, he's, he's gotten really good at kind of explaining, look, guys, there's, there's, there's ways that we can talk to people that don't hunt. You know, whether you just meet them on a trailhead, um, you know, they could be completely anti or whatever. You can talk to them in a way where they don't not like you, where they don't just come away offended. And uh, I think that's changed in the last few years, I think it's changing even more so every year that we that we move through this. Yeah, you've got to listen to them, listen to what they're saying. You know, I mean, because somebody with, with what they're saying, if you're listening right, you'll understand what they need to what what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of these a lot of these people that are saying these negative things about hunting and everything, they want to hear something good about hunting. Right, like they want it to be. Mm-hmm be seen as positive. They don't want it to be about just going out and killing animals and trophy shots and heroes and just being a, a an, an animal murderer. They want it to be about a lifestyle. Right. They, they, I mean, I think they want to see the good in, of course there's the extremes, you know, no matter what you do, but I think society for the most part, they have to be accepting of hunting or we wouldn't have hunting. Right. Because 90% of the people out there are what give us our rights, mm-hmm. you know, our, our privilege of hunting. Because if they saw it, if the majority of people saw it in a negative light, guess what? You and I aren't hunting, right. you know, anymore. Right. So exactly, yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I think what Hill was alluding to before too is uh, I used to be, and I'll attribute this to social media. I used to be to where I did not like to talk to her crowd because I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming at me. And uh, so I would avoid it. I'd avoid the conversation. You know, here's some meat. Eat it if you'd like, but we're not going to talk about hunting. Well, we used I... to have meat parties. So when I got done with my nutrition degree, everybody's like, we need to have an end of the year party. Mm-hmm. And Ryan was actually in Maine working. He was running a fish plant in Maine. So he was gone. He wasn't even there. He was gone for five months. And everyone's like, Hillary, we need to have a barbecue. Because I went to a school, the cafeteria was vegetarian. Okay. 
So there's no meat in the school. They said, Hillary, we need to have it at your, let's have it at your house and let's call it the meat party. And we made elk burgers. I, I had, you know, of course, all this elk and meat that everybody loved to eat. And you're so, like, don't feed those people my meat. <laughs> <laughs> my perception was worse of Ryan than actually the people that were coming into our home. My thing was, I always thought because I'd go to school and it was a different environment, I'd say to Ryan, I can't bring people to our house. There's deer heads on the wall. And he'd say like, I don't freaking care. They can leave the house if they don't like deer heads. But I was always so worried about what people were going to think. And what I found is most people are just intrigued. Mm -hmm. Most people come in and they go, they lived in a city their whole life. They didn't, they only saw deer heads and like Sleeping Beauty and Gaston was killing everything. And you know, that Bambi, that was their like idea of hunting. And then they meet someone like Ryan and they, they eat the meat and then they're actually intrigued. And well, so, I think in my opinion, like before they'd come to my house, maybe they'd never had a conversation with a hunter. Maybe they, you know, they just didn't understand it. I think if they held the master switch, they would have turned it off mm-hmm. on hunting. But after having conversations and figuring out that I'm not just you know, out there killing stuff and just to get trophies on the wall. Um, there is a lot of it that has to do with food, the gardening, the canning, all this other stuff. And, uh, that's a big concern and that's what we feed our family with. I think they come away after that conversation and maybe they won't flip that switch to off. You know, they won't turn, you know, if, if they had the ultimate vote, they'd, they'd have a second thought about it. And once they've talked to somebody who hasn't totally offended them, and they've actually been explained, you know, how this works and our respect, our reverence for animals and this and that. Um, and I think it, that's all it really takes for most people is just an understanding of what we're doing. It just takes time too, you know, I mean, society yeah. changes in generational gaps, you know, I mean, and think of, think of how much you've changed since you graduated high school, maybe not as far as hunting, but just right. anything else. You know, I look at, look at some of my friends and how they've changed, or I look at myself and how I've changed and you look at society and how their perception of hunting is evolving. You know, we, we tend to look at things in our lifespan, right? That's nothing. That's such a short amount of time compared to how long it takes societies to develop and to grow and to change. And I think everything, you know, like I say, I think everything is on the right path, but as with anything, the more good that is being done and the more talk that is being talked about, the more negative that you're going to see, you know, you're going to see a lot more, um, anti-groups and, and those kinds of things come out against hunting. And you know what? That's, that's just going to happen. We just have to sure. have better spokesmen out sure. there fighting it. You know, some people are good at fighting the fight and others are good at just supporting the cause, you know, it's right. true. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, where you? Where did you come from? Did you come from a hunting family? Where did you come from? Where yeah. did you come from? <laughs> Idaho. It's like what? But what? what is, the ghetto of what Idaho. What is this? You weren't. You weren't a part of that vegetarian crowd of my wife's yeah. friends, were you? Did your family hunt? Were you raised no, around it? No, no, they didn't. I was raised around it, but my family didn't hunt. So my my mom, when she grew up, she hunted, yeah. and so my grandpa hunted. And when I, when I came of age, you know, age to hunt, you're 12 in Idaho, right? Well, it was just a so natural, Idaho. central Idaho. So I grew up in Moore, Moore and Arco, you know, we grew up out on the flats is what they call it out there. We used to have a hog farm. Gosh, I know Idaho and I haven't even heard of that. <laughs> You've never heard of Arco? No. <laughs> yeah. So Moore is north of Arco. So we grew up basically in the middle of nowhere. I mean, okay. if you drew a map and put an X in the middle of it, 
in the middle of nowhere of Idaho, that's so that's it. where that's it is. It. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's kind of ironic because my dad, at the time that he met my mom, um, he was living and working in Salt Lake somewhere, Provo or wherever, and he had the opportunity to either stay there and manage a flooring or, or furniture store. Or he could move to Lost River and work with my mom's dad on the farm and do insurance, whatever else. And he chose to do that. I'm like, oh. But I'm like, I'm so glad he made that choice because we literally grew up in the middle of nowhere in such a wild environment. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine it any other way. So grew up super dirt poor on a farm. Um, dad ended up losing his farm in 82 or 83. I can't remember. And so we ended up moving to my grandparents' house and just always had kind of a hobby farm. And then he went back to school. Um, to college. Um, and I think that's when, when he was away for, for a week at a time, that's when the gardening and the killing of animals, you know, we were killing rabbits and sheep and goats just to survive. Cause we had no income for a couple of years while mm-hmm. dad was doing that. And that I was at the age to where that was so impactful to me. And I think that's what, what really kind of shaped my life because I look at, my younger sisters and that, and they don't really have memories of what we had during those times. Cause those were pretty lean years. I remember going to the courthouse and getting cheese and powdered milk, you know, and those types of things. Like it was pretty rough, but it taught me something about hard work. It taught me something about, um, maybe that, maybe that pet lamb of yours is going to be your meal next week. You know, you just don't know because mm-hmm. that's the way it was on the farm. Um, and then when I turned 12, I just wanted to hunt because my buddies hunted and grandpa would bring us deer salami every year. So I just wanted to hunt. And my dad was like, well, I ain't hunting. So if you want to no do kidding. it, you got to figure it out. And back then, um, when you turn, when everybody turned 12, it was like, all right, this week we're doing <laughs> hunter safety in school. You know, you did it right in school. Oh yeah. So you'd go to the gym and they'd set up the targets and you'd shoot the targets and everybody did hunter safety. And right. so everybody got their, got their, um, their license. And I remember going out on my first hunt with my friend, Adam Hurst, you know, we took horses from his house. He lived up Antelope Creek and we jumped on the horses and I had an old lever action, 30, 30 of dads and didn't even have a scabbard. I was just carrying it across my lap on the horse Yeah, at 12 at 12. Yeah. So we ride up on the hill, he and I, and we come up on some deer and I smash a doe and we're, I mean, I remember that was probably my first experience with cussing too, because we could not get that thing up on the horse. Like we're just. I mean, we're two 12-year-olds here <laughs> trying to get a 150-pound deer on top of a horse, and we're just Just cussing. a rodeo. Yeah, I, I, I probably, my mom would be red right now if she knew what I was saying that up there on the hill. And I remember I, it's, I remember losing my wallet up there, you know, and then having to go back two weeks later and finding my wallet and riding back to his house, and the horse just took off because it just wanted to be home and trying not to drop the gun but trying to hold on to the deer I and mean, just all these things. And... uh you know, it just kind of, just kind of went from there. My my next deer was a solo hunt. I did all by myself. Walked up on the mountain, shot a spike buck, and yeah. drug him down. You know, so wow. Just, wow. So, yeah, that's always always interesting. I always I always wonder, you know, for folks that you know their folks didn't hunt, where the influence came from. Where does that desire to just go out and uh, and take an animal? But well, it sounds like for you, you know, it was food. Yeah, you we, needed food. Food and, and, you know, just kind of that's what the friends are doing. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, there's another story. Part of the story is, is the guy moved to our valley, 
uh, a retired military guy and he was an avid archer. I mean, just traditional archer. So we had met him through, my dad was doing a carpet job and we met him and got into archery that way. So when I was 13 was when I started bow hunting, you know? And Mm. so there was a lot of different influences in my life. And at a key point in time when life wasn't supposed to be happy, like this crap that was going on with us at that point in time, we were supposed to be browbeaten, depressed, dirty, stinky little farm kids. Right. Well, my, me and my brothers and sisters, we were the happiest little farts you could ever imagine. And we were just being introduced to all of these things at the same time. And all of those things impacted my life to where I'm sitting here today. Mm-hmm. I mean, from that short amount of time, you're talking a couple years block of time. And I'm so grateful for those hardships and those opportunities because it's kind of made me who I am. The crappy thing is, is where I live, I can't necessarily, I don't feel like I can necessarily live that lifestyle that I want. You know, I want to have acreage and be able to right. have horses and my brother has my mule and, and my parents have my horse. And it's like, man, I want those things here, but I have a wife too, you know, that's, that's into certain <laughs> things and it's just the way life is. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so when did you, uh, obviously you say so you're 12, you got your first critter, your first deer. Was it pretty consecutive after that? I mean, were you out hunting every year or was it, was there some gaps? Yeah. I mean, we were, we were killers, man. My little brothers and I, I mean, there was one hunting trip we went out. I think I was 14 or 15. I think I was 14 cause my friend Aaron was 15 and he was driving. So there was me and him were the oldest. And then we had Seth, Jared, Jeremiah and Boyd. So there was a whole truck full of us just adolescents. Man. Yeah, yeah. And we're out yes. shooting the crap out of deer and stuff like I think I shot a deer every year through junior high and high school, probably gun hunted. Um, mm-hmm. When I was 13, I actually stuck a bull elk with my bow right in the shoulder. Wow, and didn't 13. find him. And he's he's out here somewhere. My friends found him a year later. Um, so, you know, we were, we were introduced to a lot. Uh, but when college hits, you know, and, and other things in life, like it kind of takes a little bit of a backseat. So I think I killed that bear in college and a few other little things. But. It wasn't really until, I mean, hunting was between the time I got married to the time that I started solo hunter was probably 10 years, roughly. Yeah. I mean, those hunting times were pretty meager. Like you're hunting, but you're not hunting. You don't have the time for it and everything. And then once solo hunter hit, you know, that's really when, when a guy can dedicate the time. And that's, that's when I feel like I became a hunter. Right. You know, I mean, I was a hunter before. Don't don't get me wrong. It was part of my life, but things change when you can put the time into it and have actually some resources to put into it. Right. 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 Yeah. It's um. Yeah. Time is a is one of the factors for me. I, when everybody asks, like, you know, what what does it take? I think time is it. Right. Time, resource, and and uh, education, you know, yeah. experience. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. What now? So. You've told me before, what do you do for work outside of the... Well, I, I run a family business actually back in Washington State. Um, we've always been in the fishing industry. And so we uh, we actually handle a bunch of corporate stores and mom-and-pop stores, um, everything fishing up and down the coast from Alaska all the way down to California. Fishing and, uh, like you catch fish and give it to sell it to them? No, we're selling everything from tackle to bait to all that oh. kind of stuff to, to various stores, even like Cabela's or Bass Pro or Sportsman's Warehouses. Nice. So we supply all that, all that and... Um, yeah, shoot, I was doing that when I was four years old, when my dad started the business. When I met him, he was uh, going out on the beach every yep. day, We'd go out harvesting for the sand steelhead trim. and 
salmon fishing and that was hard work he did that up until he couldn't his back couldn't do it anymore and then he went into more sales but yeah i liked your i liked your podcast was it your very first one you did when you were talking about your guys's kind of your married history yeah, and, where we met up in alaska like, yeah. yeah for the first 10 yeah. years i didn't have a no he yeah. was no, gone really? he was uh, in alaska then we had to go here and we had so to go true. there seven years so yeah true. the first five years of marriage seven years of our relationship he was in alaska or russia and then the my, eighth my year, passion used he to be was fishing. in Maine. It, it was yep. fishing. I was all about fishing. Um, yep. You know, we lived on the west coast of Washington, so it was about steelhead and salmon fishing. Mm-hmm. I would spend my days all summer long on the river, and that was just my life. And that kind of translated to me going up to Alaska, fishing for everything from grayling to pike to all the trout and all the salmon. And then getting an opportunity to go to Russia and, and looking at those rivers and, and exploring over there with, you know, we just fly around on helicopters and explore mm-hmm. that country. And that's probably what, you know, Alaska was 100 years ago before float right. planes and everything kind of took over. But so I had a really, you know, a lot of, it was all about fishing for me. And, uh, you know, I always hunted, did a lot of bird hunting and, and whatnot. But the big game stuff really didn't kick in till you know, early 20s, mm-hmm. mid 20s. And that's what it really kind of hit home, and it kind of took over my my time spent was I was working in the fishing industry all summer long, um, which took away from actually you know fun fishing. But then once fall hit, most guys would head for the woods, and so our business slows down, and that gave me opportunity to go out in the woods and, and hunt more, and which has always been the best part about my job is the fall slows down, and we're able to go spend time in the woods. And that's why we get the time that we that we get to go out there and put in and, and really try to make it count. So um, that's kind of, as far as being successful, I think that is one of the biggest keys. Obviously, instinct and, and an experience. And he has an amazing wife who just right. goes, yes, leave for two weeks. Yeah. Just don't call me. I don't even want to talk to you. I'm you walk back in this door. I'm annoying enough all <laughs> summer long. By fall, she's ready to give me the boot for that's, eight weeks anyway. That's my goal is I try to make my wife hate me through the summer. You know, just, to, just <laughs> yeah. want to get rid of oh, me. Oh, those, right? la- those last two weeks before August, dear, it's like uh, you really ramp it up. Just well, become a royal pain get, in her I, side. I've just gotten, I think, too, just maturity yeah. anymore. I used to get so, I think back in my 20s, well, we didn't have kids till we were in our late 30s. So we started late. We got married at 24. We didn't have our first child till I was 36. So we had a lot of years together by ourselves. obviously a lot of time apart. So we really had two separate lives. I traveled a lot for work, and when he's in, gone in the fall, I used to go travel. I'd go to Europe. I'd go to my mom's, I go do stuff because I just figured out, like, I have to do something. But when I was younger, yeah, I'd get wrapped up in this, oh, you don't want to, you don't love me. You don't want to spend time with me. Um, You love hunting more than me. Uh, And now I get it. I see the young girls struggling and I really get it because I've been there. But part of me just wants to say, honey, like, it's really not that dramatic yeah like, but and, part of and, me wants to say guy slow down a little bit no it's and not i that important i would say know? there's a balance so with ryan and i uh, actually hunting wasn't that big of a deal it was because he was gone from the end of may and if he went to russia he wouldn't even come home till october sometimes so this wasn't like he was home every week and then he's like i'm gonna go on a week hunting trip mm-hmm. we had a half of a year apart and the problem was you had fishing season he would get home, 
And literally, sometimes 12 hours later, it would be hunting season. And it would be this boom right into hunting season. So for me, when I was younger, it's just like, you never got a break. Now he doesn't do that. And for a lot of years, he hasn't done that schedule. So for me, it's when fall comes. Now every year, it seems to get a month longer. But um, I've gotten used to that schedule now. And I, I understand it. Uh, well, I've, I've realized Nevada opens <laughs> August 10th. And that just opens it wide open. Yeah, I mean, it used to be so September now it's in 1st October. in Washington. It used to be just October. Then it went to October, November. Then it went back to oh, September. We take October now it's in off. August. October's not even a hunt month anymore. It's just a, it's a go-home month. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. I don't know how that works. But, but I uh, do think it, My that, season has expanded, and I'm, uh, I'm not complaining well, about but it. But I, I can't complain because, as you all see on our pot, on our website and with what we do if ryan is not in the mountains he is basically in the garden making food so i mean i've gone on work trips and come home and had 40 jars of potatoes canned like who not many husbands are home doing that so i don't really have a big thing to complain like he's going out and doing that uh you know he's i know where he is when he's not hunting and i know where he is when he is hunting so he's either in the kitchen the garden or he's out on the mountain so you know for me i'm I feel I feel pretty fortunate about it, and I've gotten older, and I've relaxed, and you know he's a good dad. He's a good husband. He provides. Um, he's loving and mature, and he likes to be alone, and it's like a healthy thing. And so for me, I being a physician, I think I think I would recommend more people to do that. Oh yeah, I mean everybody talks about <laughs> how it's unhealthy to be, to spend time alone or this or that, and it's like man, the right kind of time alone is so therapeutic. Like, it is. I come home from a hunting trip in a good mood, whether I had a good hunt or not. Right. And I come home rested. You know, yep. I feel like I have to go back on a trip or go back to work to get some rest because home life is so hectic between baseball or scouts or um, whatever it might be. You know, it seems like it's so busy. <laughs> it is interesting when we started this, though. I, I, I assumed I'd be talking more hunting stories. I figured I'd be talking to more about, you know, tips and tactics and this and that. And that has not been the case. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. It's just kind of a different, you know, we've t- kind of taken it in a different route. There's a time and a place for that kind of stuff, you know, and honestly, I'm not in inter- I'm not interested in that stuff. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I hunt for myself and I hunt for my experiences and, and I want to learn things, but I want to learn from personal experience too. I mean, there's things you can pick up from others, but those podcasts or those other content formats that it's all about tips and tactics of how to kill the biggest buck or this kind of thing. That's great for those that are into that. I'm just glad that there's stuff like with what you guys are doing that is a special interest. So it's more about life, you know, more about things that I'm into, you know, and that's kind of what I think a lot of people have to realize is they take a look at say maybe what you guys are doing or what I'm doing. And nobody really knows the whole backstory to how, how it all came about or even why it came about. Um, very few people see the amount of work that you took to get there. I mean, without listening to your guys' first podcast, I would have never known your history. Right. And it, now everything kind of makes sense. Looking in, it was like, man, this guy must have a kick-ass job. He must make a crap load of money. He gets to travel all over and hunt, you know, either that or he hates his family and doesn't, <laughs> isn't married or whatever. I mean, right. you have all these preconceived notions of what yeah. somebody with that lifestyle has. But then when you see the true story behind it, it to me, it's like that much more inspirational. It's like, 
wow, they really do what it takes to make their relationship work, their family work. Ryan really does live the lifestyle that I personally would love to live, but there's another part of me that says, I'm glad I don't have to screw with a garden either. You know, yeah. and I get to go yeah. to Trader Joe's and get my fresh vegetables, you know? <laughs> so I think a lot of people look at it and say they want to have Ryan Lamper's lifestyle or they want to have my lifestyle. But at the end of the day, maybe that's not exactly what they're into. You know, not everybody wants to raise mules, but they'd like to use them on a hunting trip. Right. For sure. So, you know, a person just kind of has to look at it and don't just, look at somebody else's life and say, oh, man, I wish I had that or that guy has it all or that guy's so cool. And you know and when that. you're our age and, you know, your life's, I feel like some some days my life's pretty boring. I, I go to work. I come home at the same time. I pick my kids up. I cook dinner. You know, we have seasons of the year where obviously we're busier, like garden season and hunting season for him. But I feel like sometimes, like, I have really nothing to share with people. I'm trying to come up, like, what am I going to share? Because I feel like my life is really so mundane. But I think that's how most people's lives are. The whole, this whole perception that everybody is living this life all the time, and you're like, you know, high roller and balling, and you got, like, all these things, and you're killing big animals all the time, or whatever it is that people are seeing. That that's are, just not true. Are you it's, not on social media? Of course it is. Every, <laughs> that's everybody's lives. Come on, my myself included. I'm always out there shooting my gun. Right? Oh well, yeah. That's li- no, I see those women with like the beautiful tattoos and the beautiful, you know what, and the like bow, and they're on a boat somewhere with a great tan, and I'm like. Gosh, that's totally work- me, honey. Why aren't we out there? <laughs> Nobody those works pictures? for a living. So, Come on, everybody. Right. We all get paid. We're all insta famous. Everything right? is perfect. Oh, yeah. Gosh. No, if it was perfect. that easy, man, it would. That's the thing with 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 Instagram or social media or any of those kinds of things is like people are seeing what we want them to see. You know, mm-hmm. same thing with Solo Hunter with the episodes. You're seeing what I want you to see. You're seeing mm-hmm. 22 minutes of maybe a two week journey. You know, you're seeing what I want you to see, and um. You know, that's the good and the bad with social media and with different things is, is is nobody wants to show the crappy parts of their life. I certainly don't. Sure. But also, like you say, outside of a, a very, very minute amount of time or just a few months out of the year, I'm as boring as hell. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's my wife tells me all the time, you need to be more like these these vloggers or or. Um, you need to be showing more about your day and your life. And I'm like, nobody wants to see me plucking (laughs) the keyboard. Nobody wants to see me going to the post office. Nobody wants to see me making breakfast for the kids. You know, I'm not, it's not that interesting to me. So why do I want to share that? Plus there's a certain aspect of my life. That's my life. Right. You know, I'll give, I'll give viewers of solo hunter and sponsors and other, other followers of social media. I'll give them. 10% 10% of my life. How's that? You know, right. but that's all they're going to get. They're not going to get the other 90%. That's for someone else. Sure. I think that's why I wanted to do this podcast. And Ryan said, well, let's do this podcast. I, I told him he needed to do it. And he said, well, I think you should do it with me. I said, who? I don't, I'm not going to talk to hunters. Like, I don't know. What you, no, you, you could, we could do a health thing and you could talk this and that. I said, you know who well, I, I actually want to talk to? I want to talk to their wives. I told Kelly to be in this thing. Yeah, I was like, you got to be here because people need to know that I'm just not all about myself. What we've learned is, you know, there's usually somebody behind that person that's doing the back end work. And what are they going through and what struggles do they have? And to me, that was more exciting. So I told Ryan, I said, okay, I'll do it with you if we get to actually 
ask questions that matter and not just like, okay, what did you get this year? You know, that's an important question to some people. But to me, I I think think it's also good to know people. When we first started out, we wanted to get into, um, you know, folks like me who have this passion. We get out there. We spend a lot of time in the mountains. Um, Yeah, the other half. How does that work? How does that fit in? And how do you have a family and uh, how does it work? And, and it, and it works is, for us. And surprisingly, when we shared our story, you can't believe how many people were like, man, I've dealt with those issues. I've had those same problems. We have that conver- I've had that conversation with my wife. And people ask us, well, how do you get it to work? And there's no easy answer. It, it, we just make it work. It takes it takes time to evolve into that. You know, fortunately, there's a lot of hours in the day. Unfortunately, you don't have to have as many hours of sleep as people think. But like... There are a lot of hours in the day and what we're seeing on social media is pretty minute, you know? So even though it might look like a lot of time is spent at the gym or a lot of time is spent on the mountain or a lot of time is spent editing or hunting or everything else, that might be a fraction of time, you know? I mean, I spend 15 minutes a day on, on social media between making a post, commenting or whatever else, you know, that's a super small amount of time, but the impact that those photos or those videos make, it gives the appearance of a lot more time Mm -hmm. invested into that. Right. And those events might've taken place a week ago, you know, or two, or two months ago or six months ago. So that's, what's so hard about it. So deceiving is it's like, man, it looks like, it looks like some of these people don't have a a job outside of what social media is. And it's like, no, man, we're just getting that window's just open just a little bit. You know, I spend more time with my kids in the morning between the time that we wake up and the time that I take them to school of my life than you'll ever see on Instagram or anything else. You know I mean? Right. It's, it's such a small part of our lives. And, and that's, what's kind of a frustration for me is, is it gives the appearance that hunting is life, mm-hmm. that it is all that we are, you know, I'm a hunter. That's it. It's like, no, I'm a dad. Right. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a churchgoer. I'm, you know, in active in the community. I do whatever else. And I live a, a life outside of hunting. It's just that hunting is kind of the coolest part. You yeah. know, that's the part that I want people to see. And that's the part that my, my life is wrapped around to. For me, it's a little, it goes even beyond that. That's what my business is wrapped around to. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot more a part of my personal life, you know, and, and yours too on the fishing side. Yeah. And that, and that's, that, that's interesting. I mean, my wife, she's, she's always on me. You got to post more stuff. And usually, like you said, I'm not doing interesting stuff. I do some interesting stuff in the fall when I'm hunting, but I got this whole other time of year where I'm picking weeds or I'm <laughs> washing jars so I can can some whatever and, uh, you know, creating recipes and stuff like that. It's a lot of trial and error. None of that's really exciting. People don't want to see that. Maybe some. I mean, Maybe the just... final product, but most of it is trial and error. Um, just kind of learning things off the cuff and gardening is just a whole lot of dirt work and, you know, basically out there and, and figuring things out and, and going through the motions, but, uh, not real interesting for folks on Instagram. Sometimes it's just like gratifying to do something for yourself. You know, yeah. it's like this week I put in almost 50 miles on the mountain, you know, yeah. did I post one picture about me on the mountain? It was for me, you know, I needed that this week. I needed to take three or four hours a day and just go on a hike. I needed that break from work, from social media, from family, whatever else. Like, that's my time. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes it looks like people don't 
take enough time for themselves and maybe they do, you know, but that's, that's the thing that we got to be careful with looking at social media and what other people are doing is we don't know what they're doing outside of that 15 minute post or anything. Sure. But I think it's so important for myself and for other people, you know, if I were to counsel is, is make sure you take time for yourself that you're not sharing with anybody else. You know, you might share with your spouse or with your kids or your buddies, but not everything has to be shared socially for the world. For one, it might backfire on you. You know, you might experience some backlash that you never intended. And for two, sometimes people just don't care. You yeah. know, it's not that important to impact somebody's life. Well, know? and it does take away from a lot of what you're doing. When you're constantly thinking about, oh, I got to get this photo. I got to oh, take this Six pick. o'clock, I got to make a post. Yeah, I got to get a post on there. And, you know, you're just enjoying your day with your daughter. Um, if I'm out there hiking with her, the last thing I'm really wanting to think about is, oh, I got to get some photos here and, and get them on Instagram. <laughs> well, I'm guilty. I'll admit, I'm show. guilty of that. Some, there's days yeah. when I'm like, man, I, I got to make a post today because if I don't keep the interaction up, then Instagram's going to throw me in an algorithm where nobody's going to follow me. But, I mean, you, you, you analyze it all and you're like, I'm not as good as he is because he's growing faster than me. You yeah, know? So yeah, yeah. I, it, we're all guilty of it, but for sure. you know, my counsel is for myself just as much as it is for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I, we've spent so many years just doing what we do. You know, I don't know how many springs and summers Ryan's hauled soil and manure and back and forth into the backyard, into the, and this Real year, exciting stuff. this year I'm like, okay, we got to get pictures of this. So I'm like doing dishes one night and I see Ryan walking, hauling a wheelbarrow soil. And I tell my daughter, take my phone out. My hands are all wet. Take my phone out and get a picture of your dad carrying that soil. And she's like, huh? And I'm like, go get a picture of him now. So she goes out there and he's like digging in the He's going, what are you doing? She's like, mom told me to come take a picture of you. And I told him, we need to get pictures of this, I think. And, uh, but we've spent so many years just doing that, that, uh, the whole, it's like a, it's like a new education to think about. We actually have to, sh we're going to share this with people now, like digging well, soil it's, up. It's a weird thing because, so, um, yeah. A lot of people actually do want to new, know what you're doing with the garden, how you prepare it, and how you do it. But we've been doing it for so long that I just want to do it and get it done and well, not think about photoing it. And, and you honestly kind of it. owe it to us, though. You know, uh, I mean, we, no. we follow you for a reason. Yeah. And so you, you guys have opened it up your lives and you've, you've uh, you know, become vulnerable to us. You, you've made it. I mean, you put yourselves out there for us to see. So you kind of owe it to us. <laughs> see? I guess so. But just, you know, whatever you do, I don't want to see you pushing a wheelbarrow with your shirt off. Okay. Have enough self well, no worries there, buddy. Okay. I don't want to be looking at you saying he's more of a man. You know, just please keep your shirt on. Like you are not going to see workout photos from me. <laughs> if, if I thought public speaking was never going to happen, you never say never. Yeah. No, the thing of it is, is, is that's true though, is, is, um, you guys have created a, a really good platform that I personally enjoy because it goes way beyond, um, the glorification of killing animals, basically, you know, it goes way beyond hunting. It goes way beyond producing a TV show or producing film or YouTube videos or anything else. It's like, this is real life stuff, man. This is, this is life. This is how, this is what makes the lampers happy. This is what makes your lives tick. And if we can all learn a little bit from it, then that's awesome. You know, I mean, it's inspirational to me because you really are living your life how I always dreamed and look, looked at myself growing up as living my life, you know. Then you go away to college and you live in the city. And you get married, you live in the city. And then you get a job, you live in the city. So it's, it's like 
maybe things don't exactly work out that way, but you know what? Retirement might be coming up faster than I think. Right. Maybe someday I'll be able to move to that 20 acres I have in Idaho <laughs> and plant some roots and actually have my garden. Get a know? big old greenhouse and have at it. Yeah. yeah. You'll need a greenhouse food. up there because it's winter nine months out of the year. Yeah, for uh, sure. Short well, you know, season. we're just, we're just blessed to have the life we live. I, I can complain all day long about the things I don't have and the money I don't make and the time I don't get or whatever. But the truth is, is where I see where we live, you know, we, we've actually lived in the same house 20 years. Hmm. We live in the same house we bought when we were married and we're 20 years married this year and it's small. We have two kids now. I mean, we have outgrown it, but we've just stayed there and we've stayed married for 20 years, which is, you don't even hardly hear of that anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, I, I feel when I get caught up in all the things that I think I should be at at this place in my life, or, you know, I'm a doctor, I should be here. I should be there. I, I tend to get really caught up in that sometimes. And if I just look out my kitchen window and I see this garden and I see chickens and I see my husband out there in his greenhouse and I see my daughter shooting her bow in the backyard and I see mountains and I see food, berries on the, I think, how blessed am I to get to live here in this small little house with very few material possessions, healthy children. And I think of all the people around the world that suffer that don't get these experiences that I do. And I just, I think it's about counting your blessings. And if you can share that with the world in a positive way and you can change people's lives so that maybe they would want to emulate the fact that living simply is better. You know, growing your own food isn't that hard to do. Or maybe, you know, having a family and and being happy with not having all this material possessions and et cetera, et cetera. And just the the value of that or going in the back country and having that time alone and getting quiet in today's world is so hard. And I think, you know, that's really what what I feel about this is like, man, and just like what you get to do and the people you get to influence, like how much of a, of a blessing is it that we get to do this for our life? You know, I, it's too easy to get caught up with the, with the pace of life and the pace of life rap rapidly increases every year. You know I mean? It's a lot faster and faster all the time. And when you're trying to run a business or, or even working for somebody, it's like, Everything's got to be done now. Everything's faster. It's not, it's not who markets the best. It's who markets the fastest, you know, and it's hard to slow down, but that's where with what you guys are talking about, you know, it's, it's more inspiring people to say, Hey, look, you know what? I'm going to die sometime. Anyway, I'm going to get old. Some time's going to pass. There's time's not going to go any faster. It's just going to always be what it is. What's wrong with me just slowing down a little bit, you know, and, and, being a little bit more passive aggressive rather than aggressive aggressive Mm -hmm. and just live, live your life, you know, for what you guys are doing. I think it's great to be able to educate people on, Hey, you may have, you may be like Tim and live in a suburb and have neighbors breathing down your neck. Well, guess what? You can still do an elevated garden box, right? You can do layered garden boxes or whatever. This is, this is what you, you might be able to do. Take the time and do it. Start with one or two plants, you know. Start with a tomato plant. Start with a couple squash in yeah. the, uh, in that little dirt patch. And you might find that you enjoy it, you know. You don't have to do it, but it's there, and this is how you do it. And yeah. uh, you might enjoy it and, and take might 
run with it. What's the harm in planting a couple seeds and then forgetting about it and being like, oh, damn, that didn't work. (laughs) You forget about it here. You're toast. (laughs) You better water. We live in the land of water, so we're fortunate. Things grow just because we're sitting in water half the year. Yeah, Um, you you definitely have more challenges here in Nevada, for sure. It's different, you know, but you just overcome it. You deal with it. You know, life's going to come at you no matter what. And if you have a happy mentality and are just – of the, of the, of the mindset that you're not going to let any negativity creep in. You're not going to let jealousies creep in. Um, and when those things do, you're going to, you're going to kick them out as, as the best you can. You're going to squash any discrepancies that you have with sponsors or with people or with whatever else and just live your life. And you're going to, you're probably going to be happy. You know, if you're doing the right things and you got the right people in your life, right. probably going to be happy. Yeah. I'd, I'd be happy with or without hunting, honestly. Um, Cause I'd be doing something else that I enjoy. What would that be? You think it's funny. You talked about fishing. If mm-hmm. you talk to my brother and ask him, like my scrapbook is all fishing. Is it? But when you were younger. Yeah, but it's all different. It's high mountain lakes. We used to backpack to as many lakes as we could every summer and then river, river fishing and stuff. And I mean, I was just an avid passionate fisherman, but once solo hunter kind of took hold, it was like, okay, I got to focus. This is a good thing here. I, I got a, a gift given to me that I've got to take advantage of. I've got to focus on it. So for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, if things changed, you know, there's a lot of other hobbies I'd like to bring in. I'd like to get back down to being a scratch golfer again and, and mm-hmm. those types of things, but you just can't, you know? Yeah. I say again, close to a scratch golfer. It wasn't a scratch golf, but I was used to be pretty good. So. Yeah. It's when you mentioned the, the high lake fishing, I think, um, I've thought about it a lot. What if, um, you know, we, we were, that was taken away. Hunting was taken away for some reason. Um, you know, I love to hunt things. I would definitely be more into mushroom hunting, mm-hmm. antler hunting, stuff like that. But I also would spend way more time in those high mountain lakes. It kind of brings you to where w- we get to go hunting, right? That's high mountain basins, public lands, way off the grid. You're up there secluded. You're not dealing with the, the energy, the high energy of the city. And it gets you out there. Um, that used to be one of my, that was my getaway. Oh, man. That was, when, I, when I wasn't into big hame hunting, it was, that was my getaway. I was up there catching five-inch cutthroat, and that was fine with me. That was it. We, I remember one, I'll tell you a quick story real quick. I know we're getting long, but we left college one day, one night. It was like a Friday night. Drove clear to, to Mackey and then up Copper Basin. We were going to go fishing with some college buddies, actually my younger brother's college buddies. And we got to the trailhead just to dark, and everyone's like pulling out their bedrolls and stuff. And I'm like, screw that, man. I ain't sleeping in the car. So I left the trailhead at dark and got up to the highest lake. It was, uh, I mean, some of these people will know their names. I think it was, I think it was Betty Lake that I got to. Um, maybe it was Bench or one of those, but I got up high, did some fishing that, that next morning. And then just woke, just sat there all by myself, just looking out down below. I think it was Bapti Lake. Next thing you know, here comes this, uh, dog looking thing. I'm like, what the crap is that? And I looked a little closer as a Wolverine. So Wolverine came up around the corner and then two kits came behind it and they played in the water a little bit just down below me and then came up and went up the shale slide up and, and over the top at over 10,000 feet. And I was just like, my heck, man, I'm up here all by myself, not a soul on the mountain, hmm. you know, just, just living this. And I got to see something that some people will never, so rare, never see. And this is in Idaho, grant you in 19, the late nineties, you know, wow. there weren't Wolverines in Idaho. Come nope. on, man. But there was, so mm-hmm. those, those types of things, that's what, 
that's what the mountains are for me is it's like new experiences. And there was just something attractive about those high mountain lakes, whether it was the mountain goats or just being up there to just hearing the wind and the quiet and just, just ringing in those golden trouts like crazy, you know I mean? It's just like, yeah, this is, this is what it is. And so it definitely, uh, it kind of resets you. I mean, I, I have a hard time explaining what I get out of being up there, you know, when people talk solo or, you know, hunt alone or whatever on these backcountry trips, but, um, there is a clarity you know, all those problems become clear in a way in my mind. So I come off the hill, like she's, you know, alluded to, alluded to many a time, way happier. You know, I'm, I'm more in my element, um, way more relaxed. And, uh, I just, all these little problems are clear and, uh, I figured things out and I get that when I'm up there. And so, yeah, you know, getting up there and spending time by a high mountain lake, that's what I'd probably be you, doing. You should come and join my brother and I, Boyd. We're going to do a uh, uh, the first week of, of archery. We're going to go high. Oh, yeah. We're going to go up to some of these lakes. Maybe not that one that I just mentioned because we don't want a bunch of people wherever. We're going to yeah, be definitely at, a, not that one. at an unnamed, undisclosed location, <laughs> high mountain lake hunting, cross over the top at whatever, 12,000 feet into this huge basin and do some do some hunting. You oh, might not man. see anything, but... It's just, it's just something that we haven't done for so long. And, and we did it a little bit with his mountain goat hunt. You know, we were able to get away and just, just experience that type of elevation and those things. And so it's something that I want to do again. So Absolutely. you should stroll over September, oh, man, August would, 30th, man. That would be heaven. I would definitely be in for that for sure. Um, that time of year, that'd be, that'd I'll, be golden. I'll, I'll run it by a boy D and see what he says. There you go. He'll be like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that scruff ball coming with me. Catching my fish. He's back in his own camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, just something like camping this weekend, we're camping, uh, for the train to hunt and it's not my type. Like it's like a dust bowl and it's, but two nights last night was the second night and I was laying in the cot and I said, this is so nice we should do this every weekend Mm -hmm. just get away from the busyness and you know uh and then i've had a project that i've really needed to sit down and do an outline for for like two months a project i'm working on and i just haven't found the time quote unquote and last night or the night before we've been out our camp ryan's cooking dinner and it's just like stuff starts coming to me. I just get on my phone and just start outlining this thing. This morning I had the whole outline done, e- emailed it off to the lady. And I said, dude, I, I think I need to go. Yeah, that's what she camp. said to me this morning. Awesome. I need to camp more because everything to, has become clear and I can get this stuff done. Because just the distractions of life, like cleaning your house and getting dinner cooked and answering the phone and like even our garden, you know, all the things we think we have to do. You go camping, you go back there. Really, you don't have to do anything but cook dinner and hang out. And uh, it's just all of a sudden, all that extra stuff gets washed away. And bam, all of a sudden, these I start thinking about it. And it's like, Man, it's, it's power too. Like, it's amazing how stagnant my mind got for a couple of months, you know, after, after the winter. And that is like, my brain was just stagnant. I could not think of anything new stuff that opportunities and different things that were coming. I was just like, eh, not that interested or whatever, you know, just kind of getting that, that springtime funk. Mm -hmm. Well, then you start hitting the the trail, you know, and just spending time a couple hours a day up on the mountain and just out. No, I mean, I don't, I don't listen to an iPod. I don't listen to any podcasts when I'm walking. It's just my feet. Right. And it's just amazing the amount of clarity that comes and the ideas that pop into my head. And I'm just like, oh, it's a brilliant idea. So I'll record a little video and I'll just be walking. I'm like, 
I just got another one. Yeah, you know, right. And I'll jot that down. I'm like, I'm going on a walk tomorrow because I need more good ideas. You know, I mean, it's just a, it's amazing the power that it has. And it might sound hokey or, or cliche or BS or whatever, but man, try it. It's so real. If you spend some time out by yourself with no intended agenda, no noise, no nothing, and just walk. It's amazing what will come to you. I think this is where a lot of women, actually, if they think about why they have a problem with their husband leaving, if you really sit down and you think about it, it's not necessarily that he's leaving. It's that he gets to leave and you don't. He gets to leave? Gets to leave. He get Well, you do get to leave and you're home with the kids. And how many times, like I think about my life, how many times do I just leave by myself and say, I'm not going to worry about childcare. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to leave and you worry about all that stuff. Make sure the bills are paid. Make sure everything's good. I'm going to leave and I'm going to go into the mountains for a week by myself. No distractions. That never happens. No, most That's your women, fault. You should do it. No, that's what I'm saying. So I think. <laughs> yeah, is my sentiment exactly. How many uh, times have I asked you? I, I have tried to push that envelope. But I think that that is really more the subconscious thing is this idea of. When we see you guys come back happier, we see you come back with that clarity. We see you come back with that. And we've been home without that clarity. Like you said, that stagnation, the stress. And we don't get that that uh, clarity. It's like a jealousy thing. So it can be a backlash thing where, well, why do you get to do this? And I don't get to do this. And you're saying, it's- you could do it if you wanted to. And so there's a fear thing, but there's also a, you know, that, wanting that wanting to I think, go out I think you nailed that. it on the head it, 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 I think it's a little bit of a jealousy thing right, myself right. because we do come back happier and, and they're like oh great you know now he's and we come back glad to see you right yeah yeah I I think I'm gonna try it this year so well, mark my words Hunt Harvest House I will say listeners I'm gonna go do something by myself and Ryan will be home for a week hey solo is not gender specific it. I come across and uh you know, have people on Instagram and whatever else, women that are sharing their stories or sharing their photos of do, going out and whether it's a solo hunt or just a solo adventure, because, you know, I'll search the hashtags or whatever, or get messages. And it's like, it's, that's inspiring. You know, that, that woman just took it upon herself to go out and shoot that antelope or go out right. and go on that hunt or spend that overnight camping trip or even a week long camping trip. Yeah. It's like, it's just more rare for a woman to do it for obvious reasons. I'm not going to say obvious reasons, but for, for safety factors and, and some, it's not just, it's, they're just not wired for that type of, of, um, activity really. I mean, a lot, a lot of women really want to be alone or want to take the challenge to go out for a week at a time and, and, and be by themselves. But it's kind of cool when they do, you know, I mean, there's becoming more and more that I think are recognizing it once they do go out and spend a little time and see it. I think my wife's going to get addicted to it if she actually does what she says she's going to do and do that. Solo huntress. Yeah, we need a A solo huntress. (laughs) There's a lot of great female representation out there of of girls that I follow on Instagram. And, and, um, you know, there's a cool perspective that they bring to it that you don't see from the guys. Guys tend to be a little bit more macho and a little bit more um look at me kind of thing and the women a lot a lot of times you look at what they're what they say or the the images that they take and that then there's they're a lot more um compelling to me on what they're observing out there yeah they observe what they're actually getting out of it which we're not kind of exposing they're seeing it they're seeing the same things we are they just Mm -hmm. see it in a different way or or they tell that story in a different way which to me i enjoy you know because it's too easy to 
you, I'm really not that into the oh, 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 thing that the guys do. You know, I really, I, yeah. I do enough of it myself that I'm sick of it that I don't want to see a bunch of other people doing the same thing, you know, for sure. Well, man, this was pretty fun, Tim. I got to say, I, I think we should probably call it here. I think we got to go grab some food. We have got some elk sirloin tri-tips to yes. put on the grill. Oh. Yes. We got to feed you right because you have train to hunt tomorrow, I right? got an event tomorrow. I got to be strong for that. Be strong. I, got, I, need you to, I need you to whoop up on Baronio for me. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if that's possible, really. <laughs> I don't know if he's in the, the, the category that you're in. He is. He nice. is. Baronio has not only the physical ability, he's like the most inspirational person you'll ever be around. He just – I don't see – like him losing just for the fact that his mindset is just like crazy expansive and positive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so mentally dominating. He is very <laughs> dominating. He dominates. No, so good luck for that. So we'll go get some good eats on. And, appreciate and, it. and I appreciate uh, the two of you taking the time to, to give me a little bit of your platform and to share some of my story. I think you guys heard some stories that I hadn't, hadn't shared before. And so hopefully your viewers will Absolutely. pick something up from that and be inspired by your guys' stories as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, yeah. Thanks a lot, Tim, for doing this. And uh, this was quite a treat to come here and, and hang in your office and, and talk with you like this. Really appreciate it. Cool. All right. All right. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit our website at huntharvesthealth.com for more podcast stories and recipes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hunt Harvest Health. You can also message me at Stahealthy Hunter, that's S-T-H, and I will be more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Also tag your photos, Hunt Harvest Health, or Get Stealthy, as we enjoy seeing what you guys are doing as well.